0: It's Dr. Stu's podcast with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbine, community based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And I'm here, as usual, well, actually, I can't say that because I haven't seen you much lately, That's with true. my best co host in the business, truly the best co host.
1: I love
0: you. Yes. Um, the mysterious One, my friend uh, and uh, midwife extraordinaire, Bliss Young. Thanks, Bliss. who's getting coffee.
1: Now I'm showing you something really funny. Keep going, keep going.
0: Okay. Uh, we're happy to be back for you with uh, Fireside Chat number eight from Bliss's Kitchen, which is actually a non-fireside chat. And uh, Anastasia is good. Oh, thank you, Anastasia. So now I know that actually, I'm actually people are connecting. Uh, you can find us at drstewspodcast.com because after this, we're done recording today. Then it will go on to that website and it will be there for all posterity. And
1: then we put it on our podcast. We get it. We get the audio transform to podcast because some people aren't on facebook
0: yeah that's dr pod that's that's what i just said
1: oh no (laughs) i'm focused on something else i'm here i'm here well
0: speaking about focused on something else you know i was talking to the my ge rep general electric rep on the phone he called me when i just got in my car at my house and i got on the 405 i mean the 101 to go to the 405 to get off at your exit and i took the 101 i ended up up at Reseda boulevard
1: where do you think you were going to work
0: I thought it was going to work.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> autopilot. And
0: I was on autopilot. I realized, oh my God, I'm five miles past the exit. <laughs> Turn around <laughs> and come back. So multitasking is never good, but it's not really good the older you get.
1: That's true.
0: Yeah. Okay. So
1: look, you see what my cup is?
0: looks like prunes.
1: Oh my God.
0: <laughs> it's vaginas. Yeah. Thanks oh, a lot for oh, that. Oh. Um, that makes me feel really happy. <laughs>
1: Gave me this vagina cup. Thank you, Scout. Just one, my assistant and very good friend. And And I have a
0: boring pickle jar.
1: (laughs) It's a mason jar. It's very hip to have mason. My my dad
0: used to make pickles. My mom and dad made pickles in these things.
1: I'd love to have some pickles.
0: All right. Okay, so um, I'm back from Utah.
1: Yeah. Feels
0: like I never left now. (laughs) I've been back so long already. God, I have a great time in Utah, though. I really, I I really have to talk about that for a little bit. Please do. It's so beautiful. So, first of all, it was a great break for me. Um, as you know, Bliss and I were supposed to be in Ecuador, um, <laughs> I know, yeah. I, uh, I talked to a new friend of mine yesterday and, and she was supposed to be in Turks and Caicos. Mm. So she got screwed out of that mm. and we got screwed. So she went to Santa Barbara. <laughs> Santa Barbara <laughs> is nice, it's, though. I went to Santa It's Barbara. not Turks and Caicos. No, it's not. And I went to um, Utah and I had a great time. I went. Hiking every day for 21 straight days.
1: And you lost some weight. I lost 10 know. pounds. That's amazing. I know. I lost
0: 10 pounds. I think I, I gained did. one or two back since I've been back. we got
1: to keep walking. But I'm
0: going to get get out there. Yeah. I, I just felt really healthy and really good. And um, uh, I did two births while I was out there. So my first two out of California births ever.
1: Wow. Ever. Including,
0: uh, I think we mentioned the set of twins before. I, I may very well have mentioned her. I don't think we've had a podcast since I've been back. So. Did we do, we haven't done anything since I've been back. Okay. So just before I left, just before I left for Utah, uh, a woman contacted me from Idaho saying that she couldn't find anyone in her area in Idaho to deliver her. And she was a multip with vertex, vertex twin, die die twins. Mm-hmm. And no one was willing to let her go into labor on her own. They all either wanted to induce her or section her.
1: And for those of you who are not birth professionals, vertex, vertex means head down, totally normal. Totally normal. No, no special skills needed for, um, that.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and, as an
1: obstetrician, but I,
0: you know, it's, it's frightening to me. We're going to read a letter today from a couple other people who've had these experiences where people just, there are just no options yeah, anywhere. So she called and said, can I come down to Southern California as we've had many clients do and rent an Airbnb and hang out here until thing?" and I said, well, you know, coincidentally, I'm going to be in Salt Lake city for the first three weeks of of uh, June. She was due June 17th, I thought that would be perfect because she's twins, You know, she'll probably go around 39 weeks which is my average, and it would be perfect. So, and she said, well that's great for us because it's only three and a half hour drive. So, we both got to Salt Lake City around June 2nd, and I went to meet her at the home that they were renting. And then every day I would get up, and, oh the first day I was there, I ended up helping with uh, a midwife I ended up doing a vacuum on a midwife client, Mm -hmm. which was serendipitous that I just happened to be there and I happened to have that stuff in my car. So uh, I did that and then I waited and every day I'd get up and every day I'd go hiking, sometimes two hikes a day in the mountains, I looked at lots of real estate there, it was fantastic. I I slept when I wanted to, I was up when I wanted to, I ate healthy. Uh, Everything was sort of, not locked down, but because I was staying with my friend's house and she was concerned about covid and she because she's a solo practitioner and she could not afford to get sick so there wasn't much socializing going on so i would come home and i would do stuff i'd watch netflix i watched like all kinds of series on netflix um and then finally uh the the woman gets to 40 weeks and she's still not in labor and now i'm thinking like i gotta get home because i'm supposed to be back at work on monday and sunday is father's day june 21st and Finally, at the evening of June 20th, in seven o'clock in the evening, she finally has her babies. Um, Beautiful births. Um, The second one we had to expedite because baby's heart rate went down, which is not uncommon. You've been to some twin births with me. We sometimes have to meddle with twin two. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, the next morning, I got up and drove home. (laughs) (laughs) I stopped. I I, I took a two-hour detour to go back to Bryce Canyon for one more hike on the way down, beautiful. yeah, mm-hmm. and it was great. So it, it's about self-care, it's about rejuvenation. I bought a t-shirt that says, lose reception, gain perspective. Um, Battery. Uh, no, it's just snooze, get rid of that. Um, and yeah, and now I'm back again, and I'm feeling, you know, I've got, a lot of people do, I've picked up two breaches this week, amongst, a, I have a VBAC and a diabetic and another person. And you and I just had a really nice multi birth. Um, you know, by the way, when I was getting out of my car to come here after I made a went the wrong way, I noticed that the gardeners were uh, were unpacking their stuff, and I said, "God, I'm back at Bliss's house. Thank goodness."
1: <laughs> we should. We've been trying to pick another time, anyways, because uh, having Fridays off was something I was interested in, but now we're probably. Going to be back in lockdown again, so what does it really matter? Because everything is closed. Um, but yeah, the gardeners coming during our thing is funny.
0: Yeah, and by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out a reward, $50, for anyone who can find my reading glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I keep I keep losing them, and I have no idea where they where they go. So
1: I keep being told that I need to wear one of those things to keep. Them. We're gonna. My mom wore one of those things. I know that's the whole point. Is she I don't did. feel ready for that. But she, was I, she was a teacher. And she
0: was a teacher. When I
1: need those things to keep our glasses closed.
0: Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, there are only three or four places where they, I could possibly open my glasses to read stuff, and I've looked at all of them, and they're gone. And this is mm-hmm. this is. This is kind of like that, you know, you get out of the dryer and one of your socks is missing. It's Mm -hmm. the same sort of thing.
1: I always blame it on my kids.
0: I don't know where it goes. (laughs) I don't know where they go, but you know, I have prescription reading glasses Mm -hmm. and it's expensive and I'm going to have to call and order a new pair. Darn it. I'm probably going to, I should probably, my kid says I should order four pair. (laughs) Probably. And just leave one in each place I'd frequent.
1: Yes. Smart. Smart recommendation. So
0: there's today's recommendation from (laughs) Dr. Stu's podcast. (laughs) So would you tell me what you've been up to because you know we've only seen each other a few times since I've been back.
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, same old thing. I mean, what is there really to do these days? I was really excited when the, um, when the beaches were open again and you could actually like sit on the beach and not feel like you had to be like running from the, the law when you want to enjoy the ocean. Um, uh, maybe some of you know, a very good friend of mine was going through chemotherapy, lives by herself, um, and so we haven't been able to see each other because she is immunocompromised and I am an essential worker, so obviously I'm not completely isolated, but we, um, she's completed that and so now we're able to kind of hang out. So we've been doing a little bit of hanging out um, in the outside world and that has been nice. Um, had an interesting stop do that later he's doing emojis you're distracting um uh we had a really nice water birth together it probably was about an hour long five minutes from my house so that was lovely as the sun was setting with the iconic palm trees out the window it was absolutely beautiful um and she had had a hospital birth the first time so that was really lovely i've had two post dates moms this week who were both creeping up on 42 and here in our um in our state california uh, there's a law that says that midwives can't attend births uh beyond 42 weeks which pushes women to going into the hospital even if they don't want to very unfortunate. So, um, I've been having to have conversations about having Dr. Fishbine as part of the team, if they can afford that, not everybody can. Um, and or starting to meddle with, with things. So one of them just went into labor spontaneously and the other one is starting to do some herbs today to get things going. Um, interesting. I talked to you about this, but sharing with our listeners, um, The mom who went into spontaneous labor, um, I did a, I usually don't do vaginal exams on multics.
0: Oh yeah. You told me this.
1: It's very rare for me. If things are moving forward, normally I do not do a vaginal exam, but there was something about the way that she was being about feeling pushy and, and it just, there was something like instinctual that I looked at Hayes and I said, do you think I should check her? She was like, yes. So I was like, okay. So I I checked her and I got this very strange vaginal exam where it was like this thick kind of, um, it didn't feel like cervix. It was just like this thick thing up in the front. Um, And then when I tried to reach around the back to see if there was any cervix, I couldn't feel anything. So I asked Hayes if she would go behind me because it was so odd. And I said, I just can't totally differentiate if that's just vagina or cervix. she said the same thing, she had the same exam. Um, but again, with a multip, tip, most of the time that will, if you just let them follow their instincts that will go away. So I told her, why don't we try and do something else for an hour or so and see if it goes away. So she did, she was kind of blowing away contractions. We did another vaginal exam, pretty similar, but the baby was lower and it felt like it could. We, we should try and push it out of the way. She got in the tub on hands and knees, and, and we talked about this. You're we like, what would, what would you do? And you said, I would try and push it over the baby's head. But on hands and knees is very difficult. I couldn't feel it anymore. Um, so I just, you know, trusted. Here's a mole tip with a very strong urge to push. Let's just let her do her thing. She really liked it when I had my fingers um, kind of pushing down near the rectum. She said that it really felt good. So I, I did that for her for a while and she pushed and pushed and pushed again.
0: I'm not going to comment on that.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um,
0: That it really felt good? Yeah.
1: Yeah, You're not going to comment but you are. So That wasn't a comment.
0: That was a (laughs) non-comment. Okay. Okay. Go ahead.
1: So, um, still, again, really abnormal. I know she's got a big baby. I could feel it. You had done an ultrasound. You said that you thought it was nine pounds. but. Again, I didn't want to really push past normal. I didn't want to like make room for baby to come out and then have a big baby get stuck. Like I just wanted to just let things happen naturally as much as possible. And after an hour of her pushing in the tub, again, a moltef would have had a baby by now, right? Um, So I said, you know, I'd really like to get you out on the stool. It feels so good in the tub. I really don't want to move. I was like, okay, 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 you know? Now I have some D-cells, so I was like, I really need you to get out and so I can see what's going on. So she gets out and we're listening and we're going down to the 80s and then ba- her uh, baseline was 150 and now we're in the teens and it's going down to 80 and back up to like 144 and I'm just not comfortable. Plus we had seen meconium earlier, not in the tub.
0: 144 it was going back up to?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I thought you said you were in the teens.
1: Yeah, so it would go, It would, baseline would be the teens, then it would go oh, dip then, down. Oh then,
0: oh, then it would be a, a re- rebound acceleration, okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, okay. Um, so we had seen a little bit of meconium earlier, not in the tub, so maybe just like a little bit of a leak or something. And um, oh, and in the tub, the mom kept reporting, I feel like there's like a penis coming out of my vagina. And I was like, swollen tissues, you know. Um, so anyways, we ended up transporting for decelerations, a, a post-dates mom, some meconium staining, decelerations, big baby, I was like, you know what? It's time to go. Everything's adding up to that. So they went to the backup plan. They come in. The nurse says you're about to have a baby. Bulging bag. Same thing. I thought. Doctor comes in, who was a total asshole, supposedly, um, and tells them it is a it's her um, bladder that she had been feeling. And I asked you, and you said you do you ever recall? This guy said he had never seen it. No,
0: I think I said I don't really recall that. But it might have been why when she was on all fours, she didn't feel it as much because gravity was working the other way.
1: Yeah, and it's just possible. how far you have to reach and all of that. So very interesting. i would never seen that before. Many people I've talked to have never seen it before. So she's
0: gonna. she was able to deliver vaginally. The baby was 10, 10 pounds, 4 ounces, right?
1: She did deliver vaginally, but the doctor had told her after she had an epidural all night, there was still a lip. Um, they were trying to let the swelling go down and he was about to go off shift and he he told her that there was no way she was going to have this baby vaginally. She needed to agree to a C section. It wasn't going to happen. She called me defeated and said, I think I might just do the C section. And I said, no one has a crystal ball. No one knows let your epidural get a little bit less, have them help rotate you, put the peanut ball in. You know, I said, of course, if you want to have a C-section, if you're done, that's one thing. But if you want to try and do this vaginally, you have every right to give it more time. And she did, and an hour later with a new doctor, she delivered a 10 pound, four ounce baby with a first degree tear. Which is good. It's great.
0: Right. But so, so, I'm mad
1: at that doctor. Yeah,
0: well, you should be. But she's also, she's also hopefully going to do some pelvic floor therapy and. Hopefully won't have a problem, but likely down the road is going to have cystocele and need something done with that
1: because of the lax. Just it something, already, yeah. It's, like it's, that. I think
0: it's partly, it's mainly a genetic thing. It's not because she had a ten pound baby.
1: No. Um,
0: I think it's because it's genetic. People have different tissues, different elasticity to their tissues. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, anyway, so that was an interesting one. I so, want to. By the way, you brought up one point it.
0: that stuck in my head when you said it. You yeah. said something about um, doing a vaginal check. He said you he were saying should I do one and you asked hey should you do one it's kind of like an, it's kind of like when you think about an IV if an IV pops into your head you should probably start one and then if a vaginal exam is if you're because I know how rare we do them and if you feel like you need to do a vaginal exam um, you probably should do it yeah you shouldn't even hesitate to think about it you should ask permission but you really shouldn't hesitate because yeah. I think that that's right I wanted to say that uh, Gabrielle is on on and she's the woman with the twins from Idaho. hi right
1: nice to meet you virtually. Right.
0: So, uh, yeah. And Kendrick and Kennedy are probably watching. That's their
1: kids, the babies, The babies,
0: right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, well that, I don't have a birth story cause otherwise we had this beautiful birth story and that's the, exactly why we do what we do because that was a water birth on a house, gorgeous house with a, on a gorgeous <laughs> on, with on a gorgeous bench gorgeous. overlooking the entire valley at sunset. Sky was, on the horizon was orange. It wasn't wasn't a great sunset, but it it wasn't when it but it was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was peaceful. Dad caught the baby. Mm -hmm. Mom pulled the baby out. Um, And and then
1: nothing. No tears, no hemorrhage. (laughs) The Senate came
0: out five minutes later, I think. Yeah, it was great. It was perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. So every now and then we have one of those, we're in good shape.
1: Butterburst. Okay.
0: So, See, nope. He's got
1: a big list today. he got for, a lot to talk reward about. Reward
0: for glasses went the wrong way. Um, okay. Vagina cut. I, w- I want to talk about it. It's, it's it's sort of mute now because things have evolved, but I wanted to talk about, about masks a little bit.
1: Okay, just a little bit. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so while I was in Utah, the mm-hmm. office I work in. The person that runs the office put a policy in place that says everyone needs to wear masks.
1: The mask, the office here in California.
0: My, my, my office. Yeah. Right. And I was not wearing masks then and I'm still mask skeptical um, that they do a whole lot of good. And if you want to wear one, that's fine. But why do we both need to wear one? I'm also skeptical of where the six feet came from. I think that that's quite like 42 weeks or age 35. It's an arbitrary number. I mean, did they do science and they saw that the droplet stopped at six feet? Not five and a half. Not six feet, four inches. It's exactly six feet. Mm-hmm. Anytime something's exactly on a number, I know it's bullshit. It's just the way it is. So anyway, so the so the thing came into play. And one of the reasons she gave, and I'm not picking on her, but one of the reasons she gave is because she said she was following CDC guidelines, mm-hmm. okay? So the first thing that came to me, I'm sitting in Utah at this point when I'm hearing about this and the first thing that came to me is, whoa, when was the last time I heard a midwife say they're going to follow CDC guidelines? All right. Because none of us followed, want to follow CDC guidelines when it comes to vaccines.
1: Yeah. You mentioned this on the last time we were together, so it must have been before you left.
0: Was it just before I left? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well. The reason i'm bringing it up again is because it's we, we're now i mean i've, I've evolved a little bit and I, honor, I honor the fact that in the waiting area we're wearing masks mm-hmm. but I, I i hate when people cherry pick their data and ignore the ignore data from the same source when it doesn't suit them and cherry pick the data that suits them because if she would have just said i think it's safer for the patients we're respecting the patients. that's one thing but when she said it's for cdc it's because we're using cdc data and my immediate response to myself, I didn't ever mention it to her. But and if she says things, she'll she'll mention it to me. But, <laughs> but was well, you don't follow CDC guidelines with vaccines. And by the way, the CDC guidelines have changed dramatically several times regarding PPE.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and then I just saw somebody sent me a meme. And I don't know if it, maybe it was Anastasia. I don't know. Somebody sent me a meme that says, "You watch when the vaccine come out, they'll tell you the masks are are not really." that effective and you need a vaccine. That's what they'll tell you. Right. 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 So. Well,
1: what I wanna say about masks, and I've probably said it before, but I wanna say it again, is that if you do put on a mask, which for me, I am totally, I have immunocompromised people that I was just talking about in my world. So it is, I do know that there are people that can get, get really sick from this. So um, I wear a mask, in public when I'm in a a closed space to be respectful of the potential of that. And I respect my um, patient's requests. But even at a birth, if someone is wanting me to wear a mask at the birth, I take time where I step away from them, I take my mask down, I go out of the room, I go outside. You know, I think it's really important to not have a mask on for very long periods of time. And unfortunately, there are some people like people who are working at restaurants or people who are in the grocery stores or the nurses all and doctors who are, who are in the hospital who have to wear them all day long. And I, I I understand that some people don't have the ability to do that. But if you do have the ability to do that, please make sure that you're taking time where you do not have a mask on. Um, it is my belief that if you are outside in nature and you have distance from people that you should not be wearing a mask because you need to have the vitamin D, you need to be able to exchange oxygen, you need, your body needs this. And even, so, and even
0: more importantly than that, if you wear masks for weeks or months at a time,
1: I'm very concerned. You're,
0: you're protecting, you're, you're, you're not allowing your body to be exposed to pathogens, mold, dust, bacteria. That challenge your immune system in constant, in a constant way. So you're going to suppress your immune system, and then the day comes where you take your masks off, and you're more likely to get catch a cold or get or get strep throat or do something like that. It's it's <clears throat> it, it, it just is common sense. It make it it's one of those things that again I get to the stage one thinking thing. People want to wear a mask, and then they get people that are so freaking out. Um, like we've all had this experience where. You're walking down the street, you're wearing your mask, somebody else is walking the other way, and they move like 10 feet off the sidewalk to let you walk by. Mm -hmm. But when I was at Ralph's the other day, I was doing self-checkout, and I walked up to a computer screen, not realizing that there was a guy that had been using that screen with two two things of ice cream on the thing. He went off to get a bag, and I didn't know that. So I started touching the screen to see if I could get it to start over. Mm -hmm. And he comes over, and he completely freaks out. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know whether he should touch the screen now. Yeah. This sort of thing. I mean, how do people, uh, uh, you can't live your life like that. You're bathing yourself and everyone around you in anxiety hormones. That's not healthy either. Right. So, right. okay. That's, the, that's our COVID update. And, um, yeah.
1: and have people in your life that are in your pod that you can hug. It's really, really important. To keep touching and have people in your life that you can exchange oxytocin and love with. It's um, don't underestimate the power of those things. So done with my rant.
0: That's not even a rant. That was a, that was a love. That was a, <laughs> I, I'm feeling good. My oxytocin is rushing. Good. Okay. So um, one other thing too, I, I was just thinking. I was going through some stuff, and I was I was doing some some research on some data. I'm collecting my twin data for, I'm going to work on a paper with Rixa. I think I've announced this before, I'm going to try to get it published on home twin birthing, because there is no paper in the world that's on home twin birthing. People say home twin birthing is dangerous, that is level C evidence, consensus opinion, they think all things at home are dangerous, so they're not going to say otherwise, but there is no science to it. Now my, my numbers, won't, I'm up to almost 80 twin that's births. Amazing. Right. My numbers won't reach statistical significance, but there will be evidence, at least in the world literature, that will support that. And one of the things I was looking at was meconium. And I haven't had to transfer any twins from meconium, but I was looking at other things. And I realized that I, there was one breech baby that I one time transferred for really, really thick meconium. And this woman would have delivered vaginally. And I transferred her. And of course, she got a section because she was a breech going to a hospital. And then I thought of, I've been thinking about it. And I've been thinking about this for a while. I even had it in my notes for the, our show notes of why do we really why is there why do we transfer for really thick meconium why can't we resuscitate if the baby's heart rate's fine because thick meconium isn't is synonymous with meconium aspiration syndrome meconium itself isn't isn't synonymous with meconium aspiration syndrome meconium aspiration syndrome is related to a hypoxic event that occurs in utero and usually people don't know why all right So it's kind of like all mammals are, all elephants are mammals, but not all mammals are elephants. All babies with meconium aspiration syndrome have meconium, but almost, it's pretty rare when babies pass meconium that they actually have meconium aspiration syndrome. So- But
1: it is a potential risk.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. But in part of the midwife guidelines, which I sort of follow, sort of, (laughs) (laughs) um, we, if we have like pea soup or thick, you know, chili chili con carne, Meconium, I'm not talking about the pasty stuff that breeches get, no. but I'm talking about
1: thick, thick yeah,
0: watery, yeah. like less watery, meconium. Mm-hmm. Why do we transfer for that?
1: Because of the viscosity. Because when the when the fluid has to be exchanged through the lungs, mm-hmm. if it's that thick, then it's not going to easily pass through the lungs when they have to take that first breath. And so as a precaution, right. we have intubation and 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 all of that stuff. We have Delise, but you know that we can't get deep in there. And it's not, it's not- No, I get that. But I, case,
0: but I get that. But I'm just- It's what?
1: It's not indicated to suction anymore for meconium, but they still do it
0: in the hospital. Right. So, but what I'm saying is, is we have babies with mild meconium or whatever we're calling and we, and those babies do fine.
1: Yeah. So what I- about thick. I know. Mm-hmm. What I'd like
0: to know is, I don't know if there's any data on it, but I'm going to put it out there for people. If mm-hmm. there's any data on how babies do with thick meconium.
1: I don't necessarily know. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to have the degrees that, that differentiate. But it would be interesting to see if anybody's done a study on it. But
0: because I am sure that there are midwives, especially some of the older midwives in the country who've been doing births, like my friend Cynthia was in Wisconsin, and other people who've done thousands of births, who must have encountered. Who she's got a two percent transport rate, and it, and it ain't from meconium, mm-hmm. right? So there must be some babies that have thick meconium sure. and they do fine. Sure. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's just that. Potential just like deep decelerations, right? Like give them the, give them oxygen, put them in a different position, maybe the baby will do fine, but maybe the baby won't do fine. And so, you know, if we're doing normal physiologic birth, the, that's kind of goes into the the range of potential things that could be, could be totally fine. Okay. That's fine. I just opinion. want to ring it up
0: because that's how my brain works. It, it looks at things that have been always been done a certain way. And then sometimes it challenges. Yeah. Them.
1: But I always give informed consent on meconium. Some midwives transfer immediately and say that if there's meconium present, you have to go in and I'm always informed consent, so. All
0: right. And then I would like to, um, just briefly, cause I will talk about this probably more in our next week's podcast. But, um, yesterday I got, uh, one of the midwives that works in my office came up to me and said, have you heard about this, this new rule? In California, that now when a baby is born out of the hospital, the midwife or the physician attending them has to now go down to City Hall and register the birth within 10 days, or it's a misdemeanor.
1: Ridiculous. Okay, so. So obsessed.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's going to be... So I actually called the California Department of Public Health this morning, and I spoke to them. This morning. Yeah, Uh I spoke to him. I took some notes on what he said. First of all, I told him that I was a... A blogger and a podcaster and I wanted to ask him some questions and then he said well I can't answer any questions for you then I have to refer you to our PR department so then I said okay well then I'm calling you as a physician who does this and I'm off the record I want you to and then he was very nice and he spoke very openly with me about it and some of the things he said and again, I just want to put this out there because I understand where it's coming from but nobody understands why first the thing I said well why now Okay, what? Why? What, what changed? Every, the, the system had been working fine for decades. So yeah, but
1: we're behind because other states like Oregon and Washington have been doing it electronically for a long time. Well, you know, but
0: you're not even allowed to do it electronically now. You have to physically go down. I know, that. right?
1: But we were already behind, and right. now this is really
0: like so. Some, so what he said, he has no way of knowing that he says it's a mystery. They went back and reviewed the statutes, um, and somebody must somebody must have come up somebody in a meeting some administrative bureaucrat came in a meeting and decided, and they reviewed the statutes, and there's a couple of bills in here that I'm not, I, I didn't have time to look up this morning, but I'm gonna look them up. But it's uh, under the health and safety code, there's a couple of bills that I will look up. And I'll, for next time, I'll try to find out why, why they say what they say, because it used to be we just send the parents down there with the baby and the paperwork, and then that would be it. So now we have to go. And I asked them, so why do the doctors in the hospital not have to go? Right. And he said, because the law also states that in the hospital, the doctor is not responsible for registering the birth. The hospital administrator is. Mm-hmm. So the hospital administrator can, has to go or designate someone to deal with it. So they have a whole department in a hospital that deals with it. And the law allows that. So, and they
1: go down there. No, they don't. No, they <laughs> No, they don't. Go no, down there.
0: They don't have to. Cause, but it's, yeah, it's set up differently for them. I know. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying that that the doctors at the hospital are, are are not responsible for registering a birth, whereas we practitioners at home are. Yeah, I can understand that sort of because we're the only people that are witness to that. But why we have to not why we can't do it online? It's you know.
1: it's not acceptable. Right.
0: Um,
1: this is it's not acceptable because what it's doing is it's biased against midwives, saying that they do not trust that we are legitimately delivering these babies. And there's something sneaky going on of, of us not like this isn't a valid thing that we're doing, that's which right. is I mean, why they want us to be in person. So it's, it's and, discrimination against us as midwives. And
0: whether that's actually and, the reason or not, it leaves enough doubt out there to make it seem like that's the reason and that's wrong.
1: It's not, it's not reasonable to ask a, a professional to have to go down to an administrative office every time a client delivers, yeah. it it it's not it's not a reasonable request. It, I mean, maybe if we did one birth every six months or something, like no big deal. But most of us are, are doing a lot more than
0: that. Well, I'm going to also find out if I. But each. See, the problem is, is each county gets to set up their own rules. So you do most of your stuff in LA County. Yeah. All, all. Right. all right. I go to seven different counties. Hmm. So I'm going to have seven different sets of rules that I have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Some are going to be more strict than others, mm-hmm. and it's a problem. And it's because the local registrar determines its own procedures and practices, um, it says I said, vital records is, is uh, oh is not an uh, uh, enforcement agency. I spelled it wrong. <laughs> I don't wonder. Yeah. So the vital records can't enforce the misdemeanor thing. That's up to the county district attorneys. So the guy said to me, do you really think a district attorney is going to waste his time on going after somebody? I said, yeah, I think if the district attorney feels vindictive about something, or doesn't want somebody, or they're anti-home birth or whatever else, yeah, I think they will. All right, And it will be very arbitrary. And you won't be able to say, well, how come you're going after me, but these other six midwives you didn't go after, because the judge will." We'll declare that to be uh, irrelevant. Mm-hmm. You didn't follow the law, you broke the law, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to be charged with a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. So I jokingly said to the guy, so I can go throw a Molotov cocktail into a Wendy's and I'll be fine, but if I <laughs> 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 but if I don't register a birth certificate on time, I said to him, so what happens if I do a birth and the next day I leave town for two weeks?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He says, well, you'll have to discuss that in each individual county with the registrar, which. I happen to know the registrar in Ventura County. I spoke with her yesterday too, Rosie, and she's great. And I know that if I called Rosie and said, "Rosie, I'll be gone for two weeks. I'll come back when I, I'll do it when I get back," she'll say fine. But LA County is a bigger mess. I
1: can't even imagine having to go down that, there once a week, or, or even every other week, to go and register these babies. It's just and ridiculous. like everything else that the state
0: does. She says the individual registrar's office, the one in Ventura County at least, no one in the registrar's office was notified that this was coming. They basically received a letter from the state, and then they sent me a 33-page fax. So who
1: sent it from the state?
0: The California Department of Public Health, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is a non-elected, faceless, nameless bureaucracy who they're saying, now health and safety codes I'm not sure that those are passed by the California legislature. I think those are administrative codes, and so they have the force of passing laws that, that are that are possibly in, can be enforced by by prosecution, and they're are unelected bureaucrats. Stop voting for these people. Now not the Department of Public Health, but you because you can't vote for them. But. Um, Stop voting for the people that appoint people that are busybody bureaucrats.
1: Anna, the doula says, no coincidence. They know demand is going up for midwives, so let's make it harder for them. Yeah, no shit. I don't doubt it. I support that 100%. Yeah, there's no way that
0: we're going to be able to prove that because you're not going to be able to find anybody that's going to take responsibility for sending this out. It's the faceless, nameless quagmire of, of administrative bureaucracies that are so large that no one knows and he said, and, and Rosie said, you could call and complain to the California Department of Public oh, Health. I'm going to. Broke, well, I broke out laughing when she said that.
1: <laughs> I'm going to, and we're all going to write letters. And we're going to fill somebody's inbox and desk with letters so that they're like, this is annoying, and we're going to have to change it. Because this is, can you tell I'm upset? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> this is when I get Well, we haven't heard Well, we box. haven't heard from L.A.
0: County yet. And so I would, uh, you know, the question is, do you want to stir the pot and call them up and say what's going on? Or you want to wait till they, they yeah. get their shit together?
1: I do. I said, <laughs> was it you yesterday? I was like, no one sent me a letter. So la, 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 yeah. la. Yeah.
0: Until you get notification, you should just continue doing it the same way you're always doing it.
1: Okay. But I'm a little fired up. But okay. You're right. Right. I'll calm down. Thank right. you.
0: Because, because if you stir it up, all they're going to do is say, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Now you have to come.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, so. you're right. Right. Bliss. Right. So, okay, I'll uh, calm down. Did you wanna do this next before letters or letters?
0: Let's do that last because letters are yeah. more important than that. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. This is
0: by the way, this is uh, letters chap- are more important than a chapter book. from Curlow's pregnancy.
1: Hey, I'm I'm gonna write a book. I've decided. So anybody who wants to write their birth story for this book, it's specifically about ways that you felt like you grew spiritually or um you know, you just had a transformational experience from your birth, I would love to have your submissions for a book that I'm gonna write. Pass it along. Okay, let's hear what people question. And, and someone asked about Rogan, we'll get to it today if we can. If not, we'll we'll have it be for next week.
0: Oh, was it an easy Rogan question?
1: No, nope. oh. we'll, we'll cover Rogam okay. in detail. Okay,
0: so from Wyoming, from Powell, Wyoming, from Paige, uh, we us do some letters now we've got I got a lot of letters in the last four weeks and uh, five weeks and I'm just I just pick cherry pick the ones that seem to be something that don't get it doesn't get too much in the, the quagmire okay. <laughs> and bring up good points. Mm-hmm. So um, Paige writes from Wyoming. Um, Hi, Dr. Stu and Bliss. During my pregnancy, I listened to your podcast and tuned into as many of your live videos as possible. Thank you, Paige. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all you do. Uh, you both do. I started listening in, for information about vaccines. I then started listening for all the informed consent information. My husband and I chose the midwife care model Yay. from the very beginning of our pregnancy with our first baby. He was born on June 7th, uh, 2020. We gave birth in Montana. So if she's from Wyoming, she must have had to either, either they're close to the border or they had to get into Montana to get a midwife. I don't know exactly why. She doesn't say that. Um... Oh, it's a birth center that, her, that their chosen midwife runs, so I guess that's probably they live close to the border. I don't know where Powell is. It is a little house with a basement apartment. It was a normal first-time birth, 12 hours of active labor. I pushed him out in under an hour. We got our golden hour. I got up and showered and had my snack. My placenta would not come out. My,
1: she had a shower before it balloon came I guess so. <laughs> wow.
0: My midwife <laughs> gave me a shot of Pitocin at the one-hour mark, and nothing happened. My contractions had completely stopped and it wasn't budging. Then I started bleeding a lot. So we made a decision to go have me go to the hospital, which was like luckily five minutes away. My husband had me at the emergency room in under five minutes after I went into shock in the elevator and an attempt at a bedside DNC, the doctor decided to send me in for surgery. He manually removed my placenta. I'm saying when she says surgery, I'm thinking that they meant general anesthesia, like anesthesia, right? After it was all said and done, he estimated that I had lost half of blo- uh, my body's blood. We spent the day in the hospital, and I had received three units of blood given to me. We were allowed to leave that evening, which is nice. Long story short, my question is, since I hemorrhaged with no visual cause that my midwife or doctor could see, the doctor's response when I asked him was, quote, it just happens sometimes, unquote, which is true. It <laughs> sounds like this doctor was pretty cool. I am wondering if this means I am considered, quote, high risk, unquote, for any future pregnancies. Thank you for all the informed consent information. My husband and I were more than comfortable asking for a few things and saying no to a few things. Yay. My hope with any future pregnancies will be to go with the midwife care model and the birth center again. I will continue to tune into the podcast. Thank you sincerely, Paige and baby Hugh. Okay. Hey, so, I
1: just had a baby Hugh.
0: I wanted to, uh, here's what I wrote to Paige because I, I did some research for her which I tend to do whenever I get a letter that the, the, the challenge is me. Mm-hmm. I said, hi, Paige, thank you for sharing your story. Do we have your permission to discuss it anonymously on a future podcast? <laughs> she gave me permission, and it wasn't have, didn't have to be anonymous.
1: Because... I was going to say.
0: Right. Yeah, Paige from Powell. <laughs> 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 Who had a baby on June 7th? But, but it's still you. anonymous. Okay, When a woman has an unexpected postpartum hemorrhage, as you seem to have had, the risk of a subsequent pregnancy having a postpartum hemorrhage is about three times higher and if there is no history, there are, so three times higher means what? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> because what? We don't know what the denominator is, right? right. That's how we do that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. There are certain factors that make a postpartum hemorrhage more likely, but it doesn't sound like you had any of those. About five to 6% of normal term pregnancies will have a postpartum hemorrhage with about 20 to 50% of those caused by a retained placenta. So one-fifth to one-half of all postpartum hemorrhages are caused by a retained placenta. And postpartum hemorrhage occurs in about 5% of women, or 1 in 20. So talking about 1 in 60 to 1 in 40 pregnancies will have a retained placenta as the cause of postpartum hemorrhage. Okay? All right. So it does seem like there is a consensus that in subsequent pregnancies, you would be at a higher risk of recurrence for both retained placenta and postpartum hemorrhage. What that risk might be is difficult to assess in any given single circumstance, but statistically is it around a threefold increase, rising to about a 15% chance of a postpartum hemorrhage. Because if it's five percent, now you're three times higher. Which means an 85% chance of not having one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. I would not tell a client to avoid another community birth with your history, but the practitioner should be prepared and be aware, as we almost always are. Hope that helps a little. All
1: right. I have so many questions about her.
0: All right, so let's Sorry, see what though. so ask and see if I can. Ask in general terms, right?
1: Well, I mean, why retained placenta? Was it happens? It... Well, yeah, right. but there's probably there could be some history of PCOS, um, other other surgeries. She, she had no
0: previous diseases, no. Okay. Pre- yeah, she, I mean, according, I didn't have a septum, didn't have an abnormal uterus. Both mm-hmm. her midwife and her doctor had both probably reviewed those histories with her and told her that.
1: And I'm wondering if when she said the placenta wouldn't budge, did the midwife just give Pitocin? Did she go in and try and manually remove I I it know, with a right. bleed? That I don't know. Um, the, you know, I think there's um, different perspectives from midwives about, or teachings really, about how we're supposed to manage. As far as I know, if you're having a heavy bleed, you go in and try and remove yeah, it. Yeah, but
0: apparently she wasn't bleeding until more than an hour afterwards. And then you're saying at that point, did the midwife try to go in and get it? Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: Yeah, so that that, and then you know the statistics that you read, I'm I'm doubtful about in terms of uh, normal physiologic birth because in a hospital they consider a retained placenta at thirty minutes and they go in and try and help it move along, which I think can actually cause more bleeding, and yeah. that may not have been a retained placenta. That I know. I, placenta, I don't. And so I don't think ready. all
0: hospitals wait thirty minutes either. I think some no. doctors think a retained placenta is more than. <laughs> More than five minutes.
1: Right, and I... Because after the
0: orders are written, he wants to leave.
1: Trust right me, now. I've been a doula in the hospital, and I hear the doctor go, yeah, this placenta's not coming, and I'm like, uh, how long has it been? You know? Oh, it's been 12 minutes. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't, you know. So obviously I'm not in charge at those births, but asking questions like that sometimes can help slow that down a little bit. But even 30 minutes is sometimes not long enough. So anyways, uh, I like the, I like the response that you gave, though.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, just just uh, a comment that I missed before from Mary. Uh, she said, "What if the family doesn't have a name within the first ten days?"
1: <laughs> right.
0: Right. I think I think you can you can amend a birth certificate, but they have to do the birth certificate yeah. within ten days. Don't you know? Again, these people are not made by people who actually do the work or understand the process. They're just made by bureaucratic people, <sighs> and saying. we and we and we allow them to do it. And we're allowing them more than ever to control our lives now. With, uh, with data that is questionable at best, all right? There are so many experts that think what, the lockdown was a good idea, and there are so many experts that think the lockdown was a bad idea. So right. It's hard So people know. cherry-pick their experts. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Leah says, there are many docs who think it's retained after two minutes.
1: <laughs> right.
0: As a follow-up, uh, Paige said... Um,
1: so infuriating.
0: Uh, I was also going to tell you that I was planning writing to the state of Montana asking for midwives and doulas to be able to start attending hospital births again. It would have been wonderful to have one of them accompany us to the hospital. Yeah. As it was, our baby ended up staying with our midwife and his grandma until we got clear of to have him in as my guest. Overall, the hospital experience was 95% good, <laughs> which I like, in Montana. Mm-hmm. Only a few remarks were made about the choice of home birth, which made only a few. <laughs> How many were you expecting, Paige? Which just made me happy we had chosen that route to begin with. Thanks for the information. I appreciate the work you guys are doing. Okay.
1: Hey, I do wanna I, I do wanna say a quick little thing about a repeat client um had her fourth baby with me and she moved to Pennsylvania and is trying to find a midwife for her fifth baby. First three experiences with midwives mm-hmm. was not great. She had a lot of interventions and uh really felt like I don't mean to toot my own horn, but um, felt like the care that I gave her really empowered her to trust her body and to advocate for herself more strongly during this pregnancy. She went and interviewed a bunch of midwives in Pennsylvania, and three of them said, birth is a medical event. You cannot forget that. Midwives. Yeah. Just had to say that.
0: Well... I wanted to, speaking of the reason. What's happening? Pennsylvania, you gave me a clue because I have a letter here from somebody in Pennsylvania. So let's read it because I think they're connected.
1: Okay. It's
0: funny. So th- this is from uh, okay, Kayla it. in Pennsylvania.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I wanted to talk about something that is the, quote, norm, unquote, in an L&D unit I am a nurse on. So she's a labor and delivery nurse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I got the, the fan is blowing on my paper here. Almost all of our twin moms are induced around 36 weeks. If baby A is breached, they automatically do C-section, and all the twin moms are basically forced to get an epidural because they are at, quote, high risk for cesarean. Whenever we do twin vaginal deliveries, we go to the OR and push and deliver. It is so uncomfortable for a mother to be pushing on that flat, small OR bed with bright lights and an entire team staring at her vulva. Yeah, no shit. and typically, they dose them up with their epidurals so much just in case they have to do a cesarean, which drops their blood pressures and causes D-cells and poor pushing. I think that because we are in the OR, it makes them have a higher cesarean section rate because of the availability of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's the yeah, kind Kayla, of the point.
0: Yeah, dead on, Kayla. Mm-hmm. Also, forcing everyone who has twins to get an epidural is stupid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love this person.
1: <laughs> yeah, she doesn't mince words. Right,
0: right. I'm gonna, I, <laughs> it I, is stupid. I'm going to recruit her to help me write my next book. Good. <laughs> if we were more likely to support physiologic birth of twins, including not inducing them just because they're 36 weeks, which we have <laughs> talked about on this podcast, about the actual risk of stillbirth in twins rising, but rise, you know, even though the relative risk rises significantly, the actual risk is still extremely small. These women would have, probably have a much higher rate of success. Of course they do. In my home birth data right now, I have a hundred or I have 98 percent success rate with multiple twins, and I have a I think it's a 74 percent success rate with primip twins. All right, mm-hmm. But this, this is for twins. without an epidural, without an OR, without a, a NICU team, without an anesthesia crew, right?
1: Post dates.
0: Well, for twins anyway. Yeah. Yeah, my average twin goes to 39 weeks in one day.
1: Well, we've had a couple of them that were past 40 weeks.
0: Gabrielle was past 40 weeks.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, These women would probably have a much higher success rate. There are more vaginal-assisted births with vacuum forceps or extraction because they're heavy dosing of their epidurals. This, quote, just in case, unquote, mindset pisses me off. I really like this person. (laughs) Anyways, I am a CNM student, and I really identify with you and Bliss' philosophy on birth. I wish I could mentor off of you both. I'd like to have a home birth practice one day at a birth center practice. I live in Pennsylvania and I'm required to have a collaborative agreement with an MD to practice, which puts a barrier on the home birth idea. Also, CPMs here are illegal. So you'd be be illegal. CPMs can choose to be certified, but cannot be licensed. I have no idea what that means. We are greatly limiting the safe birth options of people because of these laws. I'd like to move somewhere one day that is more midwife friendly and would allow me to practice how I want to practice. I'm thinking Oregon or Washington. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen in those states either. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, if there's a way to mentor off you, I'd love to know more. Okay, I'll write her back separately on that. But this whole thing about choices being restricted and limited and stuff, I don't see it getting better anywhere. I had a talk with some people from CALM, California Association of Licensed Midwives. About this bill that's that's being proposed now, I, I can't remember what the Senate bill number is—two, three, four, seven, or something like that—which is to give to take away supervision from certified nurse midwives. But the deal with the devil that they're that they're off, that they're thinking will be okay for them is it,
1: right?
0: well, no, just even much more than that. Mm. It's they don't learn from history. You know the famous saying that people who don't learn from history are, de- are doomed to repeat it. These people, the, the experienced people who, who dealt with uh, the, the midwife bill from before are trying to tell them that they're walking down a really dangerous path by getting in bed with the California Medical Association and, and ACOG and trying to let these things into their bill just so they can get rid of supervision. They're selling their soul. Yeah. And it doesn't matter because the leadership, again, of these organizations tend not to be the ones that are actually out doing the work. Mm-hmm.
1: The, like calm, you mean?
0: No, I think the, these are the certified years. Oh, uh huh. Right. Uh-huh. right. Calm is trying to get them to listen to them. Oh, uh huh. Right. Yeah. So,
1: do you want to read this now, since you were talking about twins?
0: Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I guess. So, from Fearless Pregnancy, we're doing a. We're looking back in time <laughs> at ooh, this ooh. stuff that I wrote in two thousand and four, which I might have updated slightly in two thousand and ten. So this was still when I was working in the hospital world. All right, um, and this is a, a brief section on um, multiples, and twins, and triplets. The instance of spontaneous twinning is one in about every eighty pregnancies. Okay, that has changed dramatically now. It's less than one in forty pregnancies because of IVF.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, spontaneous triplets are exceptionally rare because of the increase. Oh, because of the increased use in success of reproductive technologies like in vitro fertilization, however, multiple gestations have become much more common. If you fall into this category, you will be considered a high-risk pregnancy because there are complications that can occur with multiples. Remember, though, that most of the time the following possibilities do not occur and that a twin birth can be had without problems.
1: But you said spontaneous. Spontaneous is different than IVF, yes? Right. Okay.
0: Yeah, spontaneous twinning, it doesn't really change.
1: Okay. So that statistic is probably the same.
0: That's, but yeah, but with the but incidence twins of twins is, overall has mm-hmm, gone way up. Mm-hmm. It used to be that the only way to get twins was spontaneous mm-hmm. before IVF. Right. All right. The most likely complication is premature labor and delivery. That is actually true. It's true in my statistics too. Of the thirty or so patients that have been transferred out of care, the majority of them have been for either preterm labor or premature rupture of membranes. Mm-hmm. Two were for uh, twin twin okay. transfusion syndrome. And I may have another client now who's developing it later in pregnancy, after 30 weeks, Mm -hmm. which is a little unusual. Yeah. The most likely complication is premature labor and delivery. Your doctor will (sighs) generally recommend that you decrease, bless you, you. your activity and avoid intercourse and orgasm in the last half of the pregnancy. You should also have more frequent healthcare visits and ultrasounds. (laughs) I love what I used to write.
1: I got stuck on orgasm. (laughs) Keep going.
0: To check for early cervical changes and discord. I know that's a terrible thing to recommend. (laughs) Not having an orgasm. I know. Yeah. The check for early cervical changes and the score and growth between the babies. There was a there was a recent article that just came out, by the way, that found that, that cerclage for twins with known cervical changes or evidence of like um uterine, or debo, that sort of thing, it does seem to work. For a while they were thinking that slip I mean the previous studies came out saying cerclages didn't work beyond a certain point. There's no point in putting them in. Uh, they didn't work any better than bed rest, and now there's another paper that comes out. So this is the nature of 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 Science. medical research. Yeah, medical research is 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 this will be adopted by people who are pro that putting in circlages, and those people that don't like circlages or don't want circlages will will stick with the old data. It's yeah, it's very subjective. The objectivity is very subjective.
1: Well, isn't that the art of doing medicine too, though?
0: There is no art. Medicine is an algorithm though. I I
1: still practice. I know. I know. I know. I I believe you do too. I know.
0: I'm being cynical. Of course. as my usual (laughs) self. But no, it is an algorithm. You you think that the people who work at a major HMO are practicing the art of medicine?
1: No. I was talking about us. We're artists.
0: We are artists. Yes. Right. Uh, Some doctors deliver all twin pregnancies by cesarean section while others feel comfortable allowing you to deliver vaginally. If the first twin is head first or the labor goes smoothly. Both are reasonable approaches and lead to the the usual outcome of one big happy family.
1: Anything different you'd say? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Others feel comfortable allowing Uh you to deliver. I would not use the word allowing. That's good. I would not say that the first twin has to be head first because there's lots of good evidence on breach 1st twins. Um, A lot of good evidence. Not just my anecdotal evidence, but there's articles out there that that breach 1st twins um, is perfectly reasonable, um, especially in multiples. I've said this before on the podcast. There is absolutely no reason to ever have a multip be sectioned for a breech baby or for twins. Or for a lip. Or for a lip. No, I'm just saying that there is no reason for that. No. Other, I mean, there are reasons for sections, but I'm saying that they don't have any of the indications for section. Right. To just say to a twin pregnancy, because your second baby is breech or because you have a breech baby. The success rate is so fricking high. Mm-hmm. Anyway, enough of that. Okay. Can I, I go,
1: got, I want to go back just one second. Cause I
0: wanna, right, you got a question Anna cause you the doula
1: got, said, when going into the shower before the placenta was birthed and uh, as a question and pinwheel, I don't know your name, sorry. They could wait to cut the cord until the placenta comes next time. What you guys reminded me of, of what I'd like to say when we're talking about the hemorrhage from last time, if, if you interrupt before the placenta is delivered, this is a real thing. Yeah. If you interrupt what's happening between mama and baby, I agree that could be a potential reason for having more issues. So keeping everything quiet, not interrupting, not interfering with the process of the mom and baby having that time together I think could actually support uh, physiologic delivery of the placenta so good point
0: to yeah you. and i'm i'm a big fan of of nature doing things for a reason
1: and i i honestly i, I i'm sorry to whoever the midwife was i've never heard of putting a woman in the shower before exactly. her placenta is exactly. delivered i mean maybe changing positions maybe that was the intention is like maybe if she gets up and she's vertical It'll come, but um, I agree that I think that keeping everybody together would would be a better way to manage that. There you go. What's next?
0: Well, I could talk about, um, I could read one more letter. Okay. Or I could talk about, um, I know I just lost my train of thought on whatever, there was something I was going to bring up, but I'll I'll read the letter because that'll come back to me. So I have two letters. I have one from um, Budapest, Hungary.
1: Oh, hold on just a second. Oh, yeah? We're going to be a minute, less than a minute here on Uh, Instagram. Instagram. So we're going to say goodbye. We're going to really try and uh, keep going um, every Friday at 11 a.m. It seems like that's the best time for Stu and I to be together. So thank you for joining us. If you want to hear the last few minutes, jump over to Dr. Stu's podcast on Facebook or listen to the recording another time. Have a great day, you guys. Keep going. Okay. They'll, they'll just drop off. All right. One more.
0: One more quick letter. Okay. Let's see. A quick letter. Do I have a quick letter here? Um. Well, this is a night. It's a nightmare story. Two, I have two nightmare stories.
1: Okay. Maybe next time. Yeah. Let's so say. So we can sandwich it in. with Yeah. Some let's just good, let's good just save
0: those. I also have things on operative vaginal delivery here, which I want to go over. I have about breach skills, and then I have a really interesting article about. About ACOG is now recommending, we can talk briefly about it and get into it next time. ACOG is now recommending for all practitioners that um, they have a chaperone in the room whenever they do a interest, uh, breast or pelvic examination.
1: Any doctor?
0: Female, male, male, and mm-hmm. not just doctors either.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nurse practitioners, they're recommending it. And of course, I have my thoughts on that, which, mm-hmm. which we'll go over. My, my obvious thought is that that's easy, really easy for academicians to say who work in big institutions who have unlimited budgets and personnel. Right. It doesn't even, and they do, briefly address, they do briefly address the issue of, of how some women are uncomfortable having a third person sitting there where they're talking about intimate things and stuff like mm-hmm. that. They don't want to do that. But that, they, the person goes on to ignore the fact, and says, so, so we, we try to impress the importance having this person there so instead of listening to what the woman says and saying okay fine we won't have anybody there Mm -hmm. you're supposed to try to convince them to have somebody there Mm -hmm. it's not the first time ACOG is telling you how to to counsel people they did it with vaccines too how to you know how to talk to parents yeah how to Mm -hmm. talk to parents about you know how to use language to get parents to do what they want to do Uh, okay okay <laughs> yeah so i sort of we're, you know we, i don't really want to start a new topic
1: no we're gonna say goodbye yeah thank you for being here with us it's been a long time and it's been fun we could be talking for a long time so we'll
0: yeah we have a lot to talk about we do i know that uh anastasia said she didn't wasn't the one that sent me that meme and no one has found my glasses in this whole hour that we've been talking <laughs>
1: so we're gonna order four
0: yeah i have to order some glasses uh what else are we, what are you doing for the rest of the day
1: uh, my assistant's coming over, I'm getting some work done, and then hanging
0: out. Yeah. My okay. daughter, my daughter's in town. So I'm gonna go nice. hang out with her later today. Nice. Good. Yep. Enjoy. So, okay. So anyway, so again, this has been Dr. Stu's podcast the music is going to just swell now. <laughs> <laughs> you can reach, you can find me at Birthing Instincts, um on Instagram and at Birthing Bliss, and we're Free mm-hmm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, something just went off. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, we we know that you have lots of things to listen to. I hope that when you are in your car or sitting in your house, and uh, we're really grateful that you pay attention to us, we're really looking forward to sort of getting back, I am, getting back in the studio. I just sort of like sitting there on the couch with John and the music playing. We
1: miss you, John. Right. So
0: that's, that's going to come up uh, soon, as soon as things start to open up, we will do it. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's gonna be a while. So stay with us and we'll do a better Ox- job. Oxytocin. That's man. right. That's get outside cute. and get some vitamin D.
0: Okay. See you guys
1: next time. See you next
0: time.